y'all. Welcome to season six. Season six of This Most Unbelievable Life. I'm Sherry Spiegel. I'm Paul Fitzgerald. We're glad you're here. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. whole table when I pressed the button on that one. It was an energetic starting of recording. Yes. I wonder if um, people could hear the the table because I could. Yeah, that's the only reason why I mentioned it because it's like, I think everybody's going to hear the table. And you added in to the season six opening the sound that usually I only I get to hear, right? <laughs> yes. This is going to be more of a vibrating springs and a boom stand and a table going thunk, thunk. all of that yeah it's funny because um in the morning eric and i meditate together uh-huh. and we both use our insight timer um and so we do the same countdown like three two one two, yeah. but it's always jarring to me because he says like three two one and i think he says go and every time he says a word, instead of, a, you know, making a guttural noise, I'm yeah. like, you're doing yeah. it wrong. But I've realized, no, he's doing his version. Yeah. Well, we all have a version of that, I think. How do, here's a podcast topic. How do how do people start? What what do they do? Do they make a sound? Do they make a noise? Do they Is a countdown a thing? Or is that just what we do for it? And I yeah. wonder if, if we go back to like episode one and listen to it, is like, did we do that? One, two, well, three. Like, I don't I wonder think what we, the history of that there is was, now. There was only one button. So we yeah, that's have true. To. Yeah, that was on the mini Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Mini so we Zoom. only do the countdown when there's more than one button. Interesting. So that we can sync up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Syncing up. up. Yeah, because this is episode 72. 72. The overwhelming majority of the episodes recorded using Zoom as a platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, these days, I think that's going to be changing coming up, you know, in a couple in a couple of weeks. Oof. The times, they are a changing. The times seem to be changing a little bit. Yeah. You know, seem to be changing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we met the other day and you were like, well, I feel like this pandemic is kind of over. Just about and wrapping up. You know? It does feel like it's it's turning, um, which is interesting. Um, so we're going back out into the world. Um, and it's interesting because I find myself both excited for all that possibility and opportunity. And I also find myself, uh, craving comfort and self-care. Yeah. 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 And and so for me, an interesting sign of that this week was that I made a dish that I associate with like comfort and coziness and soothing and you also made and that dish. I did dish. too. Yeah, I did too. Do you associate that dish with comfort? It it is it is comfortable for a variety of reasons. And uh, dear listener, will let the cat out of the bag. What it is that we're talking about here in a second. Um, it it's more. I was certainly when I was making it. It was more of what I wasn't. What I don't associated with. Mm. It is like, this is not something that is made in July. It's like, what am I doing? It's like 100 degrees outside and I'm cooking this in the oven, mm-hmm. you know, in northern Virginia where it's like a million degrees in the humid. It's like, this is not like a summer. This is not summer fair. This is not light summer fair no. that, I'm, that I'm doing here. And what was it, Dr. Spiegel? Well, 
I think there are a couple of different terms for it. That's part of the rub. Um, I think what we would both call it, neither of us made. So I think most people would call it shepherd's pie. Yeah, that's what I called it. But shepherd's pie has lamb in it. Really? Mm-hmm. Is that like a champagne thing where it has to have lamb to technically be I, shepherd's pie? Yeah. I th- so apparently, I was looking this up. Um, I don't really know why. Because I think I was looking. So I looked at a bunch of recipes and then I said, ah, screw it and did it my own way. That's kind of how uh, I yeah, like to yeah, be yeah. in the kitchen. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, but I was looking it up and so it was saying that shepherd's pie has lamb in it. And then if it has beef, which is what mine had in it, it's called cottage pie. Hmm. What if it has Trader Joe's beefless beef that you get for $2.99, the beef alternative? Um, Last time I made it, it was with Impossible. I used some Impossible. Perhaps it is then Impossible Pie. Yeah, that's what I called it then. I think I just called it Impossible Shepherd's Pie or something like that. Yeah. But I don't This is like Trader Joe's beefless Shepherd's Pie. I don't know. I kind of want like a word that's um, between like... What's the property of both shepherd and cottage? They're un- like unlike, unlikely pie. Right? Yeah. Hmm. Rustic rustic pie. Rustic pie. Past, yeah. Pastoral pie. Pastoral, pastoral pie. pie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so yeah, it's not it's not a July food. In fact, yesterday I made a chicken and I made a point to not make the chicken in the oven because one does not use the oven in yeah, the right. summer. At least right. that's my rule living on the third floor of a condo that does not have central air. Right. Um, and yet I found myself making that pie just days after you. And I don't know if it was because I had pie envy um, or if it just felt homey. It feels feel very homey. And, you know, it takes many ingredients that many have laying around most of the time. I think it's like it was... You know, it's, it's like, huh, looking in, looking in the fridge, it's like, what can I make? What can I make? And it's like, all I have are potato, carrots, Trader Joe's, you know, fake beef, onions, garlic. Wait a minute. I have all the makings here for a misnamed shepherd's pie. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's right. Well, I think that's kind of how I ended up with it, too. I, um, for much of the pandemic, Eric and I have had food delivered. Um, Mm -hmm. And so now we're kind of transitioning back into our own grocery shopping. And I've got it in my head that I want to be hyper local about my food for a while. Yeah, right. Um, So I went to a market on Saturday without a list and just picked up a bunch of stuff that spoke to me. Um, And then we went to the butcher. And what I originally wanted was meatball mix. But mm-hmm. because it was 4th of July, she was like, I only got basics. And I was yeah, like, right. all right, then I'll take a pound of ground beef. And so I got ground beef home. I knew I had a bunch of potatoes I needed to use. Yeah. Who doesn't have carrots in their house? Yeah, right. Um, and then I had gotten some leeks. Mm. So I decided. Yeah I, yeah, I had leeks too. I, had, I put leeks in mine. Now that you mentioned it, it's like I had a bunch of yeah. leeks too. Yeah. So. In there. Uh, yeah. So it turned out really really quite tasty yeah mine did too i mean and it was comforty it is it is a it is a comforting dish mm-hmm. it is very comforting and um it's warm it has mashed potatoes on it that's always, always a win, a win. It's, always yeah. a, <laughs> it's like you can't go wrong with that 
um, the grounding properties of root vegetables in the, all throughout. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's pretty good stuff. What's your drive for hyper local? What's what's going on there? <sighs> what is going on there? Um, I think part of it is um, I came back from a, that silent retreat with this awareness of how I wanted to feel more connected to the people around me. And I've been noticing how um, for a long time, part of that for me, like, you know, I would go on walks and not really make eye contact with other people. And Mm -hmm. um, and then I started sort of purposely looking at every person that I walked past on a walk. And then um, it was funny. Eric was out on a walk with me. And everybody kept saying hi. And he was like, mm-hmm. everybody's so much more friendly today. And I'm like, yeah, that's what eye contact does. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it made me think about, like, I don't really know my neighbors. I don't feel connected. Um, and then I had this um, negative experience with the uh, delivery system I remember that I was that. working yeah, with. I remember that. Uh, and I don't want to, like, throw them under the bus and, like, name their name. But... Um, I was just really surprised at the lack of care that they had for whether or not I was a customer or not. Long story short, the eco-friendly stuff that you had ordered did not arrive. Yes. uh, As expected or at all for that. Right. Yeah. Um, And then you had a kind of a dodgy experience with customer service after that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And so it was just... um, it just became really clear to me that it was a very like anonymous, like I was a number in a system. Yeah, blah, blah, right. blah. Um, and since my husband and I switched our pharmacy over to a local pharmacy and mm-hmm. that personalized experience just feels good. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of wanted to do the same and you've had a CSA for a while that you're part of yeah a few years uh mm-hmm. f- four four or five years i guess now that we've been part of a csa yeah um so i started doing research into that and just um just feeling more connected to the small market fresh in season mm. approach mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And plus the milk that I can get there is just so good. Straight from the cow. It's like the cows are over there. Here's a bottle. Go and help yourself. (laughs) It's it's (laughs) self-serve. Yeah. Um, And like the idea of not cage-free chickens, but pastured chickens that get to run around a little bit. It's like you open the egg egg carton. It's like they're all a different size and somewhat different colors and all that. And it's like, yep. But the yolks goes. Um, yeah, the are goes. like bright. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, you packed a lot of things in there in that description, that bare conversation, I think. Um, not the least of which, uh, walking around making eye contact, mm. you know, with people, because that was a, a product of the pandemic when it very first started. And that was one of the first sort of rumblings that I remember when the pandemic started Whereas people found um, uh, some resistance and some challenge. Mm-hmm. So this is back in, you know, April, May, whatever. And the guidance then, you know, when, when you know, the, the pandemic started and everything was shutting down rapidly was you, you can still go out and get exercise. 
you know, so this is back when people were like quarantined, mm-hmm. you know, no going out, no doing nothing. It's like only go to the groceries. You could only go to the grocery store, to the doctor's office or the pharmacy and, and like, and for, and for exercise. Yeah. yeah. And wear a mask and, and all of that. And so when everybody starts wearing a mask and this is when everybody's like super afraid. Um, and cause this is the first time in a hundred years, you know, that something of this scope and scale has gone on. Um, I mean, you would walk down the somebody. You'd be walking on the sidewalk, and somebody would be walking the other way, and you like do this wide berth, and you walk around this huge arc-like circle around each other to make sure you're staying a million feet away from them at all times. But it wasn't just that. I mean, people wouldn't make eye contact mm-hmm. either. You know, so it's like you're not going to get it by like looking at. <laughs> you know, so it's like there's no hellos. There's no you know. It's just you you you, you do all diligence to scooch as far as you can onto the sidewalk or you walk out in the street or something just to kind of give, give a wide berth. Um, but like, and, but there was also this kind of weird look away mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, like you didn't want to hide, you don't want the, to, you, you didn't want the other person to see that you were actively avoiding them, which can trigger all kinds of accessory. Yeah. Weird historical, whatever, you know, feelings of, complexity that that sort of come with that it's like when you're walking on the street and everybody is like looking away from you and shutting you and it's like it just feels gross but i remember that was early on right well people say they're not only not only are people you know scooching over to the far side of the sidewalk when they walk past but people stopped making eye contact with Mm -hmm. each other on the street too yeah and it's a weird thing because like not only would people look away they would often look down um and one of the things i've been really trying to be conscious of when I'm out on a walk now is to like, if you keep looking down, you will feel down. Right. Uh, Yeah, totally. um, Yeah, totally. So just the idea of looking up, I was, uh, had a conversation about this uh, with our friend Melanie the other day. And um, so just trying to really consciously like look up um, and, you know, I'm not trying to be creepy with my eye contact as I pass my neighbors, um, (laughs) but I am just like, trying to like well if my if they want to make eye contact i'm available right um and it's i tend to go for walks during the work day around the same time and i see the same people and you know we've gone from eye contact and a wave to short sentences it's yeah, like poof, right. blossoming yeah. friendships here y'all yeah um but i think it is an interesting thing to be mindful of as we went from this like shared trauma and there was initially this idea of like, well, we're all in this together. And then things like this started happening. Like we're all in this together, but we're also afraid of each other. Yeah. But yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. Um, and so it does feel like, you know, we're coming back outside and there's some, some brightness uh, and some like renewed life to, the simplest of exchanges. Yeah, more people are not wearing masks on walks than than are occasionally. I'll see somebody, but but not many. Mm-hmm. Um, the I mean the the place where we started this this conversation about how yeah this pen, you know it looks like this pandemic is just about over. That's pretty unique to where we are as well. Yeah. So I mean the vaccination rate in Fairfax County is pretty high. You know in the Northeast and on the West Coast and stuff. So that is I think sort of a property of that a little bit too. But, you know, grocery store is about 50-50. Mm-hmm. Mask, no mask, you know. Um, 
we were at an Ikea yesterday and it was about 75% mask and 25% on. So it, it's interesting to watch people sort of now, it's like go through the negotiation. Am I going to wear a mask or not? Yeah. And so it's like, I'm walking around the store not wearing a mask, but I'm carrying it. And if it gets crowded, I'll put it on, right? So mm-hmm. the, the it's developing its own etiquette. Yes. You know, so it's like, I have it on me. What do you remember comfortable? <laughs> you know, so it's like a whole etiquette is starting to emerge around mask wearing. Well, um, which is interesting. Kind of, it's kind of funny. I almost wonder as we return back to um, being at, in the workplace, you know, at least you and I, um, you know, once upon a time, people used to have like a handkerchief in their pocket. Right. And now I feel right. like right. perhaps instead of tucking one of those into your 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 button up uh people will tuck their mask right like yeah yeah well they they've yeah they've been uh you know texture and pattern and color matching masks with outfits now for over a year i mean that was one of the well if if this is what we're gonna do might as well look good doing it you know and accessorize it you can get the sequined ones and the glittery ones and all sort of witticisms and you know i bulked i shouldn't have i shouldn't have but i did early on when i was working with uh uh, the uh, the program I was working with, you know, at, at our employer, and it was like, oh, we should get we should get official masks made, uh, and it was like, oh, it's too early. I'm like, all right, but you lack vision. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like oh, I shouldn't have waited. I should have just done it. You know, and yeah. then and then a couple of months later, everybody's you know branding their own you know yeah. brand masks and things like that. It's like oh, I should have done it. Yeah, that's the one thing I did not move forward on doing for Tmall. Uh, yeah, the there was mask, never yeah. a Timo mask because um, I just found it sort of hard to look at um, the words, this most unbelievable life on a piece of apparatus yeah, right. meant to protect yourself Literally during keep a you alive. global yeah. pandemic. Right, keep you and the people around you alive. Yeah. You know, unless you just put like a QR code on it. So like people had to scan it. People had to like to put their phone up to your... Yeah, but they don't even want to make eye contact in a walk. You think they're going <laughs> to QR code somebody else's mouth? <laughs> Probably not. Probably right? not. Yeah, that's interesting. So It is interesting. Yeah, some more eye contact is starting to, to come back a little bit. And... Uh, just so everybody knows, we are still talking about shepherd's pie here in this conversation. Yes, this is totally it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I've, I've been noticing that too, you know, as as things have sort of reopened and reemerged a little bit, like who's making eye contact, who's not, you know. And now that the masks, the masks are off, you know, a little bit more out walking around, um, I started to sort of notice more nuance in what I was being presented with. Hmm. You know, so it's like when I, when I say hi to people, um, who says hi back and who doesn't, mm. um, if I do the smile and nod, what, what is returned to me mm-hmm. with that, you know, what am I, it's like, it, it's, it's a new invitation for me to pay attention mm-hmm. to, um, how other people respond to what I'm bringing as I take a walk around the neighborhood, Yeah, you know, which, which. I mean, having a mask on sort of prevents a lot of that. I mean, how much can you really read? I mean, you get essentially eyes and posture and how far are they avoiding me by on the street right? feet, you know? Um, but it's, it's interesting what I have been, have been noticing mm-hmm. with that, you know? Uh, Would you care to elaborate with more words? Thing, yeah. And it's, and it's like, it's, I've, I've, when, the the investing I was bringing into it as I was walking around is like what's the difference between like guys guys and women 
you know, when I, when I walk by somebody on the street and say, Hey, how you doing? Hey, or just smile or whatever, you know, um, some guys like, Hey, how are you? You know, and they sort of, <laughs> sort of keep rocking and it's like, well, that was, that was pretty cold. And it's like, yeah, but that's what I do when, you know, it's like, who's this guy and why is he saying hi to me on the street? You know? And, you know, so that, that's been, that's been interesting, you know, and am I bringing my own, you know, sidewalk greeting to, to everyone equally? Mm. You know, it's like, does it matter whether or not they have a dog? Does it matter whether or not that, you know, um, does it, do I only do it when they make eye contact first or do I, do I initiate or do I just go with what I'm presented with after eye contact is? So, um, trying to relearn or re experience or re, uh, investigate, I guess, the as we did with masks going on, what is mm-hmm. the what is the experience of social interaction on the street when masks are off? Right. Well, I feel like you know. Here again, I'm going to point out the fact that Paul is a white man. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think. I think your experience navigating that is probably different because. Um, I talk about this with my husband sometimes, like, um, I think when he is out walking by himself or when he's in spaces without me, um, he navigates what it means to be navigating the world, especially when he's interacting with women who are alone. Yeah. 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 Um, Absolutely. What it means to navigate that space as like a white dude. Um, And I know... I know what I navigate when I'm walking and I find a stranger before me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, uh, it's, yeah, it's a tricky kind of thing. And so, um, how do we, how do we greet one another depending on all the kinds of past and future, (laughs) maybe not future, but you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, but I mean, also paying attention though when, when, when it was you know a, a woman alone, with a dog or not, you know that I was you know that I hi how are you doing or just give a smile and whatever, um, att- attending to on a scale of one to whatever how threatened are they right now, how threatened do they feel right now in uh, on more than one occasion it was more than zero. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's it's something that it can be paid attention to. Mm-hmm. There you was know? um, and, there and was a what, time. what am I what am I doing? You know, to, to try to minimize that as much as I can while still being friendly, or is it better if I just keep on walking and don't do anything? Or it's like, eh. yeah, know, it's, it's curious. There was a time that um, Eric and I were walking through uh, a metro parking lot at night. And we were walking behind this young woman who was by herself. And I remember, I think it was Eric who, like, basically was like, let's hang back a bit. And his, he could tell that the woman was not feeling particularly safe. Right. um, And was concerned that our presence there was making it worse. She didn't know us. We were just people in the shadows, you know. Um, So it's, um, yeah, it's interesting how to... You know, to be sensitive for the comfort that different people might bring into a space. And I think 
this is something that we're going to have to navigate more and more as we're back in spaces yeah. together. Right. Um, how do we pay attention to the signs that other people are bringing comfort or are arriving with quite a bit of discomfort? Um, and I guess this is kind of related to the blog post that I just popped up recently, too. Did you post a blog recently? This no. I, I know that you did. This is like literally shameless plug. Yeah, rumor has it. Yeah. Rumor um, has it. Yeah, new post up by Sherry. Yeah. Posted a day or two ago as this is recorded. Yeah, and, and that was just basically a post me thinking through having spent some time doing some nonviolent communication training and thinking a lot about how often we read people's behavior, we read people's comments very personally. And imagining what it would look like if we read their behavior and their comments based on their needs and not their behavior. The uh, investigation of their their needs is, so the question, you know, how do you work that in? How do you work that in? So, you know what I mean? So you're, somebody walks in, somebody walks in, you know, Mm -hmm. how can, how can. Okay, and this conversation can go a bunch of different ways. I mean, the, the conversation with somebody as they walk into a room for the first time that you're in can go a lot of different ways, very, very quickly, you know. Um, but this, this is the uh, just knowing that when people walk into a, a space, no matter who's in there, they're also bringing stuff of their own, right? Right. And it's not unlike what you're navigating when you're out there on a walk, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like. You know, a little eye contact might be a nice place to start, but it's not for all people. And so if somebody doesn't make eye contact with you, there's no need to personalize that. Right. Right. Um, Maybe you offer like a, hey, how's it going? And then you are receptive to how that's received. Right. Right. Um, And, you know, we get these opportunities for little clues um, about what people are bringing into the room with them. Yeah. Right. Um, but if we're so caught up in, oh, I made eye contact and she didn't look at me, she must hate me. Or I said mm-hmm. hi and she ignored me. Um, I think the personalizing it causes us to lose a lot of opportunities for connection. It, it I mean, because once you're once you're personalizing it, you're not you're not observing the other person anymore, mm-hmm. right? You're you're within yourself. You know, you've um, retreated to yourself mm-hmm. into your own experience exclusively. And what is it that I'm doing? You know, and then ego just goes, takes it over from there. What am I doing? That's, you know, what am I feeling right now? That this other person is quote unquote, making me feel, um, which is not in my experience, really the way that it works, but that's a different conversation maybe. <laughs> um, and uh, f- when when you were speaking, you know, the, the thought that came into to my head was, you know, for those who have eyes to see, I mean, you, one has to, you have to have your eyes open a little bit in order mm-hmm. to even, re- you know, not, not just know that people are bringing in what they're, what they're bringing in, but also being open to receiving that and to have your antennas up a little bit yeah. to see what's coming in. And taking a little bit of time at the beginning just to attend to those things can make all the difference between a... a uh, meeting good or meeting bad, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's something really 
powerful about i mean i'm not the first person to have said this there's like literally all kinds of different phrases you can call this but like the power of the pause right like um just giving giving space to whatever you're observing before the reaction i guess yeah the sacred pause a lot of people call it Mm -hmm. um because it is it is it's like let's not use our words for a second here to 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 come together it's like if we connect without using words that's a different level of connection than connecting with using words because you're not limited to words you know um but it it does it does take a little bit of intentionality for sure Mm -hmm. well it's so interesting how for the longest time i think i thought that words were like the only way that i could connect people um and i even thought the listeners can't see Paul smiling. <laughs> um, but I mean, even like I very much identified with the idea of having words of affirmation as a love language. Like right, if you don't right, say right, right. lovely things about me constantly, you must not love me. Therefore say nice things or else. Say nice right. Things, yeah. um, but I'm starting to really realize how, how often words um get in the way of connection actually mm. um and sometimes i think the best way to reestablish connection is to shut up yeah just stop a second. yeah <laughs> which is yeah, so yeah. counterintuitive to me words saying words i find which i do often mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know um i agree well, I mean, what I was smiling about is like, this is you, this is a podcast. You know? It's like we're literally <laughs> relying on just that, right? To, to get the, get whatever it is across that we're doing. Um, it it feels like picking a lock to me. Yeah. It feels like picking a lock, you know, um, that there's a, uh, what do I want to say? Um, there are words to be said. And if I say the right ones in the right order, Right, then then good things will happen. And if I don't say the right ones in the right order, then less good things would will will happen. And it still sort of feels that way, mm-hmm. you know, to me. Um uh often often times. But I mean that's just part of my training as well, you know, research science, you know, from from the get-go. And, you know, working on our talk over and over and over and over again. Is that really the right word? Is that really the right way that you want to say that? Is that really the the, Im- the image you want to cultivate by having that word being used right there in the ninth paragraph of the third page of the sixth? And it's like, wow, these words are, you know, I really have to get them right in the right order. You know, so it, 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 it got a sense of ingrained sense of being like, I'm really trying to pick a lock here to, right. to achieve something. And everything about, you know, my own mindfulness and meditation training has just been the words aren't the point, right? It's, you know, you could, you know, one of the one of the most profound, I don't know what you would call it, you know, teachings, dharmic learnings, whatever we would want to say, transmissions that I received, right, was from a local meditation teacher. I think I told you this story. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast yet or not, though. Ooh, it was a while ago now, three, four years, three, four years ago. Um, and it was a, a, uh, someone who had been, who has a personal relationship and, and taught by a very prominent meditation practitioner and teacher today. 
Um, this is like me not saying the company that I yeah, right, was getting groceries right. from. Talk about Kabuki, right? And yeah. um, and uh, he said, <laughs> and he he said, "Have you ever meditated before?" <laughs> you know, and I said, "You know, once or twice." You know, I get a little bit of a practice. You know, and then he goes, "Hmm." And then he just kind of sits there for a second. And he says, "We meditate. Uh, we we meditate to practice right right thinking." So much of what we think is wrong. Mm. So pay attention to the mind. Yeah. And that was it. And then he's like, let's sit. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, let's, you know, we, we meditate to practice right thinking. And it's like, interesting, interesting, you know. Pay attention to the mind. But doesn't, so how does that feel to you now having... Yeah, I get it. You know, in, in, yeah. in every 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 couple of months, I think about that and it means something different. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like, why? You know, so what does meditation have to do with right thinking? It's like, and it, to me now, it's like this reminder. It's like you don't have to do every dumbass thing that your brain tells you is the right idea is a good idea. You know, um, when you're, it, it's 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 meditating to not feel like the thinking mind and the mind has like. Is, is true or it's right or it has the best idea or you always have to do what it tells you to or blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like we're going to sit down and just kind of pay attention to it and not not do what it always tells me to do. Let's give it space to do a little investigation about whether or not it really is doing the right thing. So what a teaching. What a teaching. Here it is four years later. I mean, I went, I've you know, I've went to and I've been to, you know, some of the meditation teachers and sessions where it's like they'll talk to you for an hour and a half you know i'm probably one of them who would um and i don't remember a second of it you know the brevity the brevity in the profundity of you know we meditate so we can practice right thinking well let's sit on so let's sit on the cushion for an hour it's like all right yeah i think i think there's you know there are a lot of adages that talk about the importance of silence um, and you know, ultimately, that's what meditation cultivates, right? Is the silence, so that you can pay attention to what's happening. Um, and I was having a conversation with somebody recently about um, an author that she was reading, uh, who was talking about you know sort of the dangers of meditation because it teaches right. you to stop thinking. And I'm like, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. And I think that that's some, one of the most interesting things. It's like, there's like this whole world of people out there against meditation because they don't know what meditation's meant to do, I think. Right. Like it really gets right, this right, bad right. rap. Um, but this idea of like, you know, what's happening on the cushion is practice for what I want to do in the real life. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, um, I'm terrible at paying attention to what I'm thinking about, you know, when I'm in the middle of stress. But I get better at it if I practice doing it when the only thing happening is me and a cushion. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to, it's like going to the gym. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, what, so what, what is actually being practiced there when you're doing it? It's like, well, paying attention, being present, listening, you know, uh, 
realizing that, you know, you're not going to die if you feel that particular way at any given moment, you know, um, this feels awful right now, but for some reason the clock still ticks, you know, the earth still moves, the, you know, the stars still shine, you know, what the, the world didn't stop because I feel this way. No, no, it didn't. Um, so it's, it's good practice. I mean, it's good practice, you know, to, to develop some discernment. And what I have noticed after, you know, a couple of, you know, a couple of times doing it that, you know, the mind does find time to quiet itself on yeah. occasion, you know, and it's like the mind does sort of what it, what it does, you know, and, and it's sort of like, I'm going to train the mind so it doesn't think. It's like, you're going to sit on the cushion and completely give up on the fact that you have any control over what this mind does whatsoever, but you're going to realize that you don't always have to do what it says. And <laughs> so it's like, that's the, that's the secret sauce right there. You know, you're not trying to shut the mind off. You're trying to like really pay attention to it. So you know that you don't actually have to. Right. It's to, it's, it's not to control it. It's to know it. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think the more you get to know it, the more you get to understand like which parts of the brain currently have the microphone. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like even I think it was, was it last night that I was basically texting you like, hello, I'm coming to you from a place of lizard brain. <laughs> yeah. Please understand that that is the brain in which you are speaking to. Yeah. I think I replied with the Godzilla. Yeah, you did. Breathing <laughs> you fire. Did. Yeah. It's a good thing we don't take ourselves too seriously around here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, but it's, you know, like, oh, I see you, lizard brain. You think we're all in danger. And, yeah. Right. right. You know, it's once you understand your brain, I think, um, I think for a long time I've taken my brain very, very seriously. Like, I'm an academic. My yeah, brain is so right. important right. and beautiful right. and um you know a treasure and those are lies coming directly from the brain <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely you know but um i mean that, my brain's pretty pretty baller i do have a phd it's not yeah, yeah i was gonna right? say i was gonna say i think both of us have a piece of paper nearby somewhere possibly framed on a wall that says a lot of fancy words in a nice font with a good script you know on it that says how awesome our thinkiness is um, that we devoted quite a number of years to doing thinky stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that we have been rewarded by the addition of more letters after our names than the ones we already had, you know, um, which is all kind of good fun. But I mean, that's what that business is. And um, that's what that's what higher ed is. I mean, that's what education is. It's like, mm-hmm. let's take that. Let's take that one aspect of ourselves, our thinkiness, and let's see, you know, how, how much we can learn to flex that thing at the complete and total expense of all of the others, you know, in, in many cases. And that's sort of where you know, education, you know, has gone not, not too far, but it, 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 I'm not, I can't say it's gone too far, but it, uh, the importance of it in our culture has gotten to the point where it's at the expense of other things. And mm-hmm. there's other stuff too, yeah. you know, like what if, what if we sort of learned that silence works too mm-hmm. in trying to make a connection with somebody, you know, um, <laughs> and so it's always kind of funny. I mean, I think about this a lot. It's like, here I am in my biology classroom, you know, um, trying to get kids to take a couple of minutes and just pay attention to how you feel. What are you feeling right now? Let's focus on our breath, you know? And, you know, they got the notebooks out and it was like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, that's not why they're here. And it, it's, it is not why they're there, you know? Um, they're there to 
you know, write stuff down and memorize it and spit it back out later on. Because that's the business that education is in, you know, yet, yet, you know, I don't think education can progress much past where it is without some more attending to um, the other links that, that hold us together. So it's right. like if you really, you know, because you don't want you don't want to be the smartest person around. I mean, you, you know, it's not a contest on how much junk you can cram in your brain. What ultimately counts at the end of the day, right, isn't smart; it's wisdom, right? And that takes other stuff, right? So it's interesting. I was listening to something. Um, goodness, I guess it was just maybe yesterday or last night, um, and it made me think knowledge is known in our head and wisdom is felt in our bones. Yeah. And I wish I, I, I could that. remember yeah, I who that. it was that said that. Um, I'll figure that out because I think it's really important to give that person credit. But I love this because I've always struggled with the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. And like knowledge is just the crap we cram in our heads, which makes yeah. us great at jeopardy. Yeah. Right. Um, but I like the idea that wisdom has to go past the brain and it has to seek like really seep in uh and be part of like our embodied experience yeah 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 there are some scientists that that you know we say are wise you know and there's some that we say are kind of smart right and it's like you, you can see the trajectory it's like bruce lee used to talk about this with martial arts as well you know the the more stuff you cram in your brain the more complicated stuff gets and then you start to kind of work on that stuff. And as um, as you become more wise, the simpler your explanations become, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like wise people don't talk about stuff using complex words and associations and sentences that only three other people can understand. The truly wise can talk about the same thing that anyone can understand. Well, yeah. And I think... It, part of that is because the needs of the wise person are different from the needs of yeah. the smart person. Yeah, absolutely. The smart person needs to maintain their sense of smartness, right? Like it's it's hierarchical. Um, but wisdom, what good is wisdom if it's not like offered, right? Like yeah, right. Um, knowledge is hoarded. Wisdom is shared. Right, right. right uh, wisdom right. is for the community. And I think that's what, like, once you know something to your bones, um, that changes everything. And in ways that I do not have words to articulate. Right. And I think wisdom comes from, it's like, I, mean, I think you need to have some knowledge before you get to wisdom. We're still mm-hmm. talking about shepherd's pie here, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I mean, this is I mean, this is where where knowledge and wisdom sort of sort of come right into this. Well, it's like knowledge, knowledge is reading the recipe. Wisdom is creating an amazing shepherd's pie. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you learn all this stuff, you get all this knowledge, and it's like to get wisdom. What do you have to do? It's like you go outside and you know, live your life, and you discover all the ways that that is either not enough, or that it abjectly fails you, or that it didn't make anything any better. Yeah, you know that's well, what wisdom. It's like well, all the all the all the times, places, and opportunities where knowledge fails you. That is your your growing wisdom. Yeah. Right? Well, so it's so interesting because you and I just recently observed like uh, two years of yeah we be, did doing this, being yep. us, right? Yep. And I was looking back at my 
uh, Instagram stories for that day over the last couple of years. And two years ago, I posted this thing about how I just finished teaching for the summer and I had my feet kicked up on my desk and I was looking forward to some time spent in my head. And I think back about that and I'm like, that was so where I was, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, because there wasn't anything else, right? Like, and yet I couldn't see that that was also my problem. Like, my thinking had gotten me into the mess I was yeah, in. Yeah, right. Right? Um, you say this all the time. It yeah, wasn't I do. Get, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, 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 I do. So, but like, so this idea of looking forward to time spent in my head because I was still sort of worshiping at the altar of acquiring knowledge. Um, and I used to wear this bracelet that said, seek knowledge. And it broke just a couple months after that. Yeah, I remember that. I remember right? that. Um, it's a sign. It's a sign. And so it's so interesting because now, two years later, I think the idea of spending a day stuck in my head, that sounds like death. Yeah. Right? Like, And so this summer, I find myself really working on cultivating a sense of embodiment. Like, because when you're, when I'm in my head, I'm not necessarily in the present moment. Yeah, and if all we have is all, if all we have is knowledge, and I am not bashing knowledge, it's like let's let's all get as dumb as possible. I mean, that's not <laughs> sort of where where I'm trying to go with this, like at all, you know. Um, but but you're well, right. I am. No. Yeah. Right. 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 But it's like look out, look outside, look at the way the world is going right now. Does it look like wisdom, or does it look like just like knowledge is all we need here? Clearly not. Right. Have you been outside lately? Um, the information highway is not what we thought it would be. It's not what we thought it would be because ultimately, at the end of the day, it comes down to how are you, how are you with yourself, and how you're interacting with those around you, right? Mm-hmm. To 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 come up with a unbelievable and meaningful life, we should start a company, Sherry, and call it like this most unbelievable life or something. I it's, think it's, that's it's, the it's best awesome. idea you've had since two years ago when you had the exact same idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, when when people say it's like, what is you know, when when I see people getting caught in, um, like a, the, a sort of a knowledge trap where it's like I just have to go and learn everything there is to possible learn about anything, and then I'm going to be complete and whole and valuable and all this other kind of stuff. You know, like this drop down list of like nine different things I'm going to say I could say in response. You know, kind of pops up, and you know where you know this whole where is all this good you know your your best thinking got you into this mess it's not going to get you out it's certainly near the top of the list on that it's like you know i really got myself into a serious jam and it really really is hard and it really really stinks and i have no idea what to do um i'm going to go learn something to get myself out of this and it's like every your 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 best decisions based on everything you learned is mm-hmm. literally why you are where you are you know it's like is that what we need right now is more learning you know it's like it got you into it it's not going to get you out um but knowledge is in, in learning and intellectualism right it's it's a hammer you know as a tool and there are nails mm-hmm. out there there's also screws and glue and some things just don't need to be adhered to, to each other not everything needs to be you know attached to something else you know um so you know this this 
if all if all you are is a hammer, then all you see are nails and you just go around kind of smacking everything, despite mm-hmm. whether or not it is the appropriate thing to be leveraging at the time toward the experience that someone is having or that you're having. You know, um, develop your screwdriver skills, develop your wood glue C-clamp skills a little bit. You know, there, there are other tools as well that might do a better job on whatever it is that we see out there than just taking a brute force swing at everything that we see because it's the only tool we got in the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, definitely like, I, I think the idea of trying to be a more integrated whole human, you know, I've spent a long time trying to pretend like I'm a disembodied human. Like mm. I am just a brain that moves through space. Um, but I'm not. Um, and so I think like your body has a whole set of tools that it can offer you. If you listen to it. Yeah. Why are you only using the one? Um, the brain also has a set of tools. Um, but the heart, the mushy old heart also Ooh. has some, some tools to it. Yeah. It is indestructible though. Yeah. So that's the good part about it. You said something. I want to circle back to something you said near the beginning of this. I'll allow it. Right. And I'm going to you say that now. You said something that we have not yet talked about Mm-mm. on this podcast. Do you know what I'm going to ask? No. You said um, the, the phrase silent retreat mm-hmm. that you were that you were on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if our listeners know about that. Didn't I talk about it last week? What'd you do? What did I do? I went to an abbey in Berryville, Virginia. Cool. Where uh, I got to sit in, basically in this retreat house where the only structure is that they feed you three times a day at a particular time. They ring a little bell, you come in and you eat. Um, Other than that, you're kind of left on your own. You get a room to yourself, a window with a beautiful view of the mountains, a bathroom of your own, which is very important to Princess Sherry, Um, and (laughs) a bed table and i brought my meditation cushions and put them right in front of the window um so basically for five days i did nothing but eat sleep read write walk and meditate why would one do such a thing what called you what called you to this uh, i wanted to Well, it's kind of complicated, but in some ways I was called to silence. Like I just, there's so much noise um, that sometimes it's hard to know what I think or what I want or even who I am. Um, And so I think in the silence, it's a lot easier for me to really figure out what's true. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I get that. I get yeah. that. Um, so yeah, I went five whole days without talking to you. Five days? What? I also went five whole days without talking to my husband, though I did cheat and text him. Oh, what? Uh-huh. What? And he he went five whole days without talking to you either. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, it was did fun. It, um, did it work? I mean, I'm going to ask the dumb question. Like, did it work? So. <laughs> You know what I think I, I realize the the answer to that is, you know, 
Um, so I've been to the Abbey three times. I've been twice for weekends, and this is the first time I've done a full week. Um, every time I've gone, I've had a profound experience. And I feel really weird saying that, like I've become this spiritual weirdo. But um, every time I've gone, I've had a profound experience. The first time I went, I had a deep need to forgive myself. Mm. And I found that there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, The second time I went with my husband, and I don't know that I had a profound need there, but what I discovered was this joy of running into someone I live with. Like, because we had separate rooms and we weren't like, we didn't know the schedule of one another. So there was just this like joy in finding this person who you love dearly, like randomly in the hallway, like, hey. Hey. Um, And then this time, I think this was the first time I really in my life can really remember five days putting my own needs 100% first. And so did it work? Yes. And it's going to take me a little while to unpack everything that I learned. Right. Right. So look forward to that, listeners. Yeah, I think we did. I think we mentioned it last week, but it's like, I don't think we went on a a dive on it. We may not have. Yeah. Right. So, So. yeah, because I've been on a a retreat or two in in the past. And, you know, why? So what'd you do? Uh, Why would why would you do that? Why would, why, what to somebody, you know, and these are sort of the questions that, that I would get, you know, mm-hmm. what's it, and of course, everybody is like, Ooh, what's it like? And he's like, Oh, I couldn't go for a week without talking. I've yeah, gotten you can. a lot of that. Yeah. yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And it's, and it's like, uh, the one that I went to, it's like, you have to get your phone. And so you like, you don't have your phone with you for a week. And it was like, Oh, I couldn't go without my phone. It's like, yeah, you could. Yeah, absolutely. Freaking could, you know, mm-hmm. and you miss it for about 20 minutes. Exactly. And then after that, it's like you don't even think about it. And then when they give it back to you at the end, you're just like, uh, I don't know. It feels kind of gross, you know. Yeah. It feels kind of mm-hmm. gross. And so, you know, it's – and um, a lot of folks talk about what it's like to go on a retreat. I mean, that that's out there. I mean, you can go to you – can, you, can, you can Google that and you'll find out all kinds of people's stories about what it's like to go on a retreat. Um, what people don't uh, talk about quite, quite as often is what it's like to come back. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's its own ball of twine, you know. Because people are like ah, getting disentangled by the world, you know. As I go and retreat into into silence and seclusion for a while, and I get all clear and nice and open and transparent and you know, blissful and all of that, and then I come back and it's like, yeah, what's that like? I mean, so that doesn't get as much uh, as many words on page, I think, as the going into the experience does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting as I was driving out of, I don't think I've told you this story yet. As I was driving away from um, the retreat, there's like a, a one lane kind of gravel road you take to leave, right? And on the day that I left, they were doing some maintenance on the trees, like trimming the trees uh-huh. to leave. And so in order to leave, I come up and there's this guy that's parked his truck and he has hitched his dog to the back of the truck and the dog is like standing in the middle of the street or the gravel pave um, path barking at my car. And like, (laughs) I literally feel like trapped. Like I can't leave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And also terrified um, because I don't want to hit this dog with my car. And 
frustrated. Like, what kind of person would do this with their dog? And I found myself having to be like, you have not left this retreat for more than two minutes. And you're already (laughs) judging other humans and feeling. So, you know, I took a breath and I was like, okay, I'm just going to like go up and around a little bit up into the, you know, a little off-road in here so I can get around the dog, right? So I get around the dog and I'm like, ah, I have passed the first test. And then I see that these people who have been trimming the trees have completely blocked the passage with every single tree Mm. branch. And so I sit there with my smiling face and say, ah, joy, what another opportunity for patience. And but I was just like, mm-hmm, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the world tests us as soon as you walk out the door, doesn't it? As soon as you walk out the door, you know, if, if yep. it's one more thing, you're just going to turn this car right back around and head straight that's back right. to the Abbey and mm-hmm. do over. Yeah, but we're still talking about shepherd's pie, right? You're still talking about shepherd's pie, that's for sure. Yeah, it it, it was a, there were a couple of days when I got back from mine of blissful, you know, oneness with the universe, and you could start to feel ego and. The trappings of this world sort of creeping back in a little bit, and yeah. <laughs> I think it, I don't know if it was Joseph Goldstein or somebody. Somebody was was like, so after the retreat, how do I how do I re-enter the world? You know, because I feel all blissful and I'm worried that's going to go away. And it's like it's absolutely going to go away. It's like give it a week, you'll be mm-hmm. back to channel surfing and you know staring at your phone all the day. You know, just don't don't worry about it. It will absolutely will come back in. But but that's it. I mean, so to, on the on the topic of comfort, right? And comfort foods and things like that that we're on. Going into those retreats is not always as comfortable either. You know, yeah. making room for people as they walk into the room and and giving space for what things people are bringing with them is not necessarily comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yet we do it, you know, um the the logic of the thinking mind is always a refuge because it doesn't require you to feel anything. You know, if I can just think about think about an answer and, and logic my way to one, I don't have to suffer, you mm-hmm. know, the inconvenience of these feels on what an answer might be, right? So um, the discomfort uh, that comes with uh, this world yeah. is one that uh, is present whether you're responding to it or not. And what, I mean, what I was noticing when we were talking about your harrowing exit from your <laughs> retreat, you know, I'm surprised you made it through the gauntlet of barking dogs and tree trimmers. Um, but that's, that's what I was able to notice as well. When I, when I was leaving, it's like, ah, boy, there sure is a lot of traffic on 95. Huh? <laughs> huh? You know, and it's like, I was able to have the exact same experiences, which may in the past be met with frustration where now it's like, huh? Yeah, that's some traffic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Huh. Hmm. Cool. There's nothing really on the radio. Well, I don't have any podcast on it. Eh, cool. I guess mm-hmm. I'll sit here and not listen to anything. Awesome. You know, and so what, what used to be met with all sorts of bah, uh, uh, noise, a lot of noise, emotional, mental, whatever noise, just sort of, they were still there, but it was like, huh. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what we're doing now. I also got halfway home before I realized I hadn't turned the radio on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think I did the same. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think I did the same. Hmm. <sighs> These distractions, you know, mm-hmm. around us are necessary. So yeah, I just wanted to do a little bit of a dive on that. Just it was such a cool thing that you did. Yeah. And I don't think we, I don't think we went into it properly last week at all. So yeah, I look forward to going back already. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. You going again? You're gonna oh go yeah. Again? yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. 
cool. Very cool. So your shepherd's pie had uh, sustainably raised beef. Mine headed the Trader Joe's. Well, maybe I'll put a recipe on the in the show notes. <laughs> Mine also had some lo- local ale. Yeah, I think I had a leftover, a little bit of, um, well, I didn't have leftover lager in the fridge. I had a lager that was leftover because I opened it and drank half of it. Um, <laughs> and it was like, yeah, this would be good in there. So it is what I, because I cook the veggies and everything first. I mean, right. And then you yeah. kind of pour a little, make it a little bit saucy and then put it in the Pyrex and. Yeah, I made a proper roux. Yeah, I didn't go that far. Mm, I didn't love go a that roux. far. Um, but yes, I used a local Port City derecho, which is one of my favorite nice. accidents of theirs. Yeah, I did a, uh, what was it? Um, Bell's mm. uh, lager, locale lager that they have out now. That was quite nice. good. Um, I didn't make a roux, but I did I did a little, a little water, cornstarch, thicken it up okay. a little bit. Yeah, right. it's, it's like I did something though. I mean, I did just put... Dump a bunch of veggies in a Pyrex with some mashed potatoes and bacon. I mean, I did something properly. A lot of black pepper. Loaded yeah. up with black pepper and some thyme and some rosemary. And so it's like I really autumned it up with this one. It's like this is not a summer. This is not summer summer fair. You know, we're going to pull it out of the oven. We're going to wait an hour for it to cool off that so we can actually eat it. Um, yeah. Sometimes you need that, though. Sometimes something. the heart wants what it wants. And that's... Uh, what a true saying that is, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you don't have to think about it. Cause if you, if you try to explain that one with what's going on between your ears, you will be left with nothing wanting of an explanation. Whereas there is none, your heart wants it's what true. the heart wants. That is true. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the body says, you know, we've been here before and this is what happened. So it's like, so eat some shepherd's pie and move along. It's pie, you know, cool. Cool. Awesome. All right, well, we'll is. see what's for dinner next week. Yeah, we'll see what's for dinner. I don't know what we're doing tonight. I still got a couple of Emo's pizzas in the freezer. I got my, I've got i had my eye on those for a while. You so have. You have. I I've have a in, leftover chicken that I'll tell you about later. Yeah, I've been intentionally trying to eat all the leftovers that we have. Just was like, I don't know. No leftovers left. We're going to have to cook one of these pizzas. <laughs> Emo's pizza. I'll put a link in the show. Yeah, link in the show notes. It's like cool. the shift from St. Louis. Cool. Have yeah. a wonderful afternoon, Sherry. You too, as well as our listeners. Awesome. And maybe we'll put the commercial in this one. We'll see. We'll see. Dun, cool. Dun, dun. Take cool. care, everybody. It was great telling you about Shepherd's Pie or Cottage Pie, as it's sometimes known. And uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Indeed. Take care, folks. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a Paul podcast. Paul podcast, yes. 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 Cool.